0: You can be seated. Boy, what a great week we had. I don't know if Juan mentioned this to you. Very humming. Um, But anyways, we had a great week. We had uh, just Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we had a day camp and we sold out. We absolutely just sold out. There was just kids that, which is amazing about this, is that kids that we don't even know who they are, which is awesome. uh, Kids and families that we don't have no idea who they are came and and uh, we just ran out of room. And as a matter of fact, we probably had too many kids than we, what we should have had. Uh, but don't tell anybody that. And uh, so, but it was uh, just a great, great event. Um, Michael and, and, and the teen, teens, that they led the charge in that. And some adults, some adults were here with us uh, all three days. And uh, just God bless you for, uh, for your service and that. And then um, this past um, weekend, we had a ladies' breakfast. Boy, what an awesome uh, breakfast that was. I, if I do say so myself, because I was help helped prepared it, uh, it was absolutely delicious. Uh, men that helped us out with that, thank you uh, for being a part of that. Ladies for coming out, boy, these are just great ways for you to get connected. These ladies breakfast, young adults. I don't want to forget the young adult uh, gathering on on Friday night, um, which is just a um, a cool event that we have at at the church for young adults to come and gather. So lots of good things, and these are just ways for you to get connected. You don't feel Connected. These are things that you can do. There's groups that happen all throughout the week as well. Um, and we make those lists available to you uh, so you can plug in somewhere. Uh, you need more than just Sunday. Uh, that's what we tell everybody. You need more than just Sunday uh, to make a real uh, connection in, in community. So, um, so get involved. Get, be a part of these things. Our ladies un- unveiled uh, just some amazing events that are coming up uh, in the next uh, number of months that there's no excuses for you ladies not to jump in and be a part of it. It's, it's really going to be uh, an amazing journey that they're, uh, they're going to go on, so be a part of that. Okay, so today we're going to do something uh, a little unique. Uh, we are going to ordain a couple deacons, and um, so uh, we're going to just show you what, what that looks like in Scripture, and that will be more towards the, the end of, of, of my talk here today. Um, But um, I just wanted to introduce you where we think that deacons were introduced in the scripture. Deacons were introduced very early on uh, in the beginning of the church. The church uh, just exploded when Jesus resurrected. After he ascended into heaven, uh, he gave them the great commission, and they went out, and they did. They made disciples. They were baptizing people in the name of Jesus, and the church of Jesus began to grow. The body of Christ to began to expand and increase and make an impact, and lives were changed. Somewhere around where we're gonna pick it up in Acts chapter six, so if you brought a Bible, uh, you can go to Acts six. There's somewhere around 20,000 plus people that are now followers of Jesus. I mean, this is just a few weeks after the resurrection, uh, after Jesus ascended into heaven, there's now 20,000 plus people following Jesus. And so as a result of that, there were some needs. And if you brought a Bible, we're gonna be, like I said, we're gonna be in in Acts chapter number six. And it says in Acts chapter number six, it started in verse one. Now, at that time, while the disciples were increasing in number, see, told you, uh, a complaint arose. That ha- happens too. Uh, there, there began to be uh, the, a good amount of people increase in, increasing in size, you know, shoulder to shoulder, uh, working together, and as a result of that, I don't know if you know this or not, but complaints arise. And, and so the, the leadership of the church says, listen, we need to address this. And so they are apart from the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews. And so they, these Hellenistic Jews just spoke a different language than the native Hebrews. And so you can see maybe that was sort of the part of the problem. It usually is. Communication is always a big part of the problem, don't you think? Yeah, it is. So they were communicating very well because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the Hellenistic Jews said, listen, our, listen, our widows are being overlooked. You know, They're serving the native Hebrews, but they're not serving our, our Hellenistic Jews' uh, widows. And so they were being, being overlooked. So the 12... Uh, These are the the, the twelve apostles. The twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, Is it it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables? So they were saying, listen, we have a responsibility to the word of God. They have a responsibility to get, get the word of God out into the people, and the people can be changed by it, and that's what the word of God does. It changes hearts and lives. And he says, we, ha- we wanna make sure that we're not you know, neglecting the word of God so that we can you know, serve tables, even though serving tables was a necessary thing. Serving people, loving people was an important element to the church, and that's important to all of us. And so then it says, Therefore, brethren, therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom may put in charge of this task. And so the, the, the apostles, the twelve leaders at the church at this time, it's begun began to just get you know get get to a place where they can't manage it on their own. So they had to assign seven other men to to head up or to lead um, you know in, in the care of the needs of the church, which I, I love that. I love the opportunity that I have is, you know to to make sure that I'm not neglecting the word of God and I can assign the 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 people other people the the complaints of the church. I like that. I like that. This sounds good to me. Like, oh, if people are complaining, I don't know, go talk to one of our deacons. I love that. That's what that's what I love about this. So, no, I'm kidding. So, um it says so. Here's sort of their, you know, requirements. It says that they had to be among you, you know. So it, that's what we do as a church. We have within our leadership people that are among us. We're we're not interested in poaching people from other churches. You know, I, uh, somebody once said to me, you know, we're you know, churches are really good at stealing people out of heaven instead of pe- stealing people out of hell. You know, it's like we we're really good at just taking from, you know, shuffling people in different churches. That's not what we're interested in. We're interested in seeking those who are lost those who are going to hell to, to rescue them out of hell so that they can go to heaven that's our ambition as a church that's our goal as a church and so um, so they uh, selected from among them seven men of good reputation that's also important that we have people that within our leadership that have good a good reputation. Um, that they are full of the Spirit, which means that they are surrendered. Their life is surrendered to the to the will of God. That they are obedient to to the to the Spirit of God. They're not following after their own fleshly desires. They're following after the spirit of God and of wisdom. They have a good head on their shoulders. They make wise decisions. You know, it's not based on some sort of emotion. They don't, you know, they don't fly off the handle based on, you know, something that, you know, when a complaint arises, you know, they, that they have some wisdom about themselves. They have a good head on their shoulders. They think through things. That's what these men were. They were among them. They had a good reputation. They were full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this Task, And so these are what, the, what they look like. As a result of that, there was a problem that arose as the church was beginning to grow they were assigning these, these men to these different areas. Now, the word deacon means servant. That's what the word deacon means. It means to serve, to serve somebody. So, in a sense, we all should be deacons or deaconesses, you know, in a sense that we all should be that way. We all should be wanting to serve and love people and invest our time and energy and efforts into other people. But these were dedicated men. These were designated for the work of serving and meeting particular needs. They were considered to be leaders within the context. of their local church. That's what they were designated to do. And so a conflict arose, why? Because thousands and thousands of people have put their faith in Jesus, lives are being changed, and people that were a part of the old covenant, the Old Testament, Judaism, the, the, the faith where Christianity came out of, they had a hard time. They had a problem with what was going on. The problem was, is because they were seeing that things were different, that they were you know, losing ground, that their faith. You know, in the laws of Moses, where it was losing ground as a result of people proclaiming that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is the Christ. Now, I want, I'm going to have a couple of our men that we're going to ordain. They're going to share their story. And their story is similar to what happened in the church of Jerusalem when the church began. Lives were being changed. They started putting their faith in Jesus and Judaism had a problem with that. So one of our men that we're going to uh, have, and I'm going to have him come up here first, is his name is Eric Charnesky. Actually, it's pronounced Charneski, but we've called him Charneski for uh, a few years, and uh, he doesn't correct us with that, but that's okay. So Eric is, is one of our um, great men. Eric is uh, unique uh, that in the fact that he was here longer than me. He's been here longer than I have. And so when when I came over here, Eric was um, already a part of this ministry, considered to be be a leader within uh, this church. And so Eric did I don't know what you haven't done around here. I, I, that's one of the, like, it would be you know, easier for me to tell you what he didn't, hasn't done yet, which I can't even think of anything that Eric hasn't done around here. He's been a part of every single area element of, of this work um, even long before, uh, not too long, before I got here. And, uh, and so Eric's gonna share uh, his testimony with you.
1: Go ahead, Eric. Thanks uh, for the nice introduction, Pastor. Um, I'm nobody special. Um, I was born 30 years ago, um, not too far from here, over in St. Joe's in Ann Arbor, or Ipsy, actually. And um, I didn't grow up in the church. I I didn't ever attend church. It wasn't something that was a priority for my parents. Um, And uh, I'm a pretty smart guy. I I did pretty well at school. Um, I played some sports and got a pretty big head because I, I did pretty well at the sports I did, and did pretty well at the classes I took, um, and, and I, I really fully bought into the religion of atheism. Um, I, I know a lot of people say atheism is not a religion, but it, it really is. It's it's its own set of beliefs, um, and I believed I didn't need anybody. I believed that I was good enough that I could achieve that American dream. That all I had to do was try hard enough. Right? I was a talented person. I was smart. I was. Pretty strong. I'm six foot two. Right? I've got a pretty good height going on. And I, I thought I was everything. I, I was really awesome. Um, and then, some, sometime through high school, um, I met Jasmine, who you've probably met before as well. Um, and we, we just got to be friends because we were in the orchestra together. Um, she played the violin, which I won't hold against her, uh, but I played cello, which is a much better instrument. We started. All right. Um, so. She, uh, she had been coming to church for a long time, and she invited me to come along with her to youth group, and I said, well, you know, all right, I'll come. You're kind of cute. Um, <laughs> I, I was interested in hanging out with her, getting to know her better, um, so I started coming along to youth group, and um, later on, started coming to, ch- to church with her uh, in the mornings, and um, probably another year or so later, we started dating, and I'd be, up, be there every Sunday, I wasn't going to miss it at that point if I could spend some time with her. So, um, again, I still wasn't, didn't think I needed it. And I'd come and I'd listen and say, yeah, you know, that, that's fine for you. That's great if you want to believe that. You know, I'm, I'm not going to hold it against you, but I don't need that. I, I can do anything I want. Um, and, and it took uh, so a long time, actually, before I really realized um, the, the truth. You know, I'd, I'd hear it every Sunday. We'd always do an altar call every Sunday. You know, if today's the day you want to um, declare Jesus your Lord and Savior, come on up front. And we, we did the old-fashioned altar call. You'd walk right up the middle right, at the end of the church, and everyone would see you. Um, and it it didn't hit me um, until one Sunday. Um, I was just sitting right over there, and uh, I actually broke down crying. And I, I didn't cry a whole lot. I mean, I was a moody teenager, but you don't see you know, full-grown men crying all that often. And, and I was just in tears, just bawling, because um, I, I finally got to the point where I could admit that it, I couldn't do it on my own. Um, God, God had finally softened my heart enough and called me to him, and, and I realized that it, it wasn't what I could accomplish. It, it wasn't all about what I wanted to do and my big plans to have that American dream, two and a half kids, you know, three-car garage, all, all this fancy house stuff. Um, it, it was about being a part of the kingdom of God, and seeing what Jesus has done for people, seeing how he changes lives, how the effect that Jesus has on people is real. Um, and, and at that point, I knew it was true, and, and God called me to him. Um, ever since then, I've, I've just been in the right place at the right time. I've been, had wonderful opportunities to help. Um, Chris has been kind enough to let me preach every now and then, uh, which is a little scary um, to, to get up here and, and talk before everyone. But it's, it's just been a privilege. Um, it's an honor to be a part of it and to have the opportunity to see what God has done. Not too long before Chris came, we were, what, a 40-person church? Maybe 40 on a good Sunday. And again, we're not in the business of, you know, trying to get people to come from other churches. We want to be the light in the world that so desperately needs it for those people who don't know Jesus or haven't accepted him yet. Um, you know, I, I heard about Jesus often enough, I just didn't care when I was a kid. Uh, it takes repeated contact, it takes repeated effort, it takes people modeling the life of Jesus for people to see what that's all about, right? Uh, I've, I've never been a big fan of going around knocking on doors because, I mean, here in America we've got a church on every corner almost. There, there's not very many people who don't know Jesus or haven't heard about them. But what I'm a big fan of is being that light to the community, having these cool events, like having just kids come in on, on winter break when their parents need kids to, something for their kids to do while they go to work. Right? Having that opportunity to love our community and to be a part of that and to show them this is what Jesus is all about. Jesus is about loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is about giving ourselves up. Right? It's not about us anymore once we trust in Jesus and say, Lord, I'm going to submit to you. It's not my will, but your will be done. And we've got that opportunity in an amazing way here in this community uh, to be that light. And there's still people that need Jesus that that need to hear that good news. And I'm just so thankful to be a part of it. Um, So thank you for letting me be part of Market Street Church.
0: What a great heart, huh? Our our other deacon that we're going to ordain today is uh, his name is George Wally. And. uh, the Wally family came not too long after um, uh, my family got here, uh, a few f- five years ago now, and um, just um, you know, I think back and I, this is, I don't know if the, what this is going to sound like or not, <laughs> but I think back and I wonder what was it about here that made people want to stay, and the Wallys were one of those families that you're like, I really hope that they stay, but I don't know if there's anything wanting get here that it would want them to stay at that time you know in our ministry and uh and they did uh it was just it was uh, it was god uh that that you know spoke to their hearts and um George is just uh, again George is one of those people that just there's not too many things he hasn't done uh, around here. Um, he's really involved in our children's ministry. If you have children, uh, elementary-age children, George is um, just an integral part of that ministry, uh, is in the rotation, and Kids Church is here every single Wednesday night uh, at our Awana program, uh, serving, serving elementary-age kids um, and, and leading these. And so, uh, I'm just honored to be able to serve alongside of George. Um, his wife, Kim, is a staff member uh, here at the church, and, and she's just is an integral part of what we do around here as well. She heads up um, a lot of our community events and oversees really all of our operations here uh, as a church. And so, um, so I'm just honored to be able to have George and Kim and their, and their family as a part of this ministry and, and, and ordain uh, George as a deacon today. So George is going to share uh, his story. Come on, George.
2: So, so the answer to why we stayed was the sheer amount of candy that our kids received. They didn't give us a choice at that point.
0: No. Um, Bribing is the only thing we had. Buddy. No, no I'm just kidding.
2: Not that at all. Um, so I'm an introvert. Humor helps offset some of the stress of that, right? So you bear with me. Um, I'm glad Pastor Chris talked about what the role of uh, the deacon is. And uh, obviously, I didn't communicate very well in telling my kids what was going to happen today. Yesterday, uh, Jacob in the car said, Mom, Dad... Um, what's a demon? And we're like, we're like, well, uh, like an evil spirit. He's like, no, 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 like, like a church. What's a demon? Dad's going to become a demon tomorrow. So I don't know if you want to change your mind on this one now or not, but um, well, it's it's interesting. Uh, so there's a lot of parallels with uh, Eric's uh, testimony and my testimony in, in in the terms of two different identities. One identity was self-sufficient, so. In contrast to Eric, um, I grew up in Missouri. That's the northern half. Missouri is the southern half, but Missouri is the top half. Um, I grew up in Missouri, and I grew up in a Catholic, uh, Catholic family. I grew up in the Catholic church. Um, and, you know, similarly, like Paul talks about, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. I would have said, I'm Catholic. That was my identity. I grew up. I, I, went, I got all the sacraments. I was baptized as a baby. Did fairly well, I guess, my parents said. You know, a, but I, I, the first, I went through uh, first confession, uh, where you talk to a priest and, and uh, use him as sort of a, a means to talking to God and asking for forgiveness for your sins. I went had First Communion, and, and those were all very important to me. So I didn't, it wasn't, I didn't shrug it off. It was, those were all very important, following the rules, following the rituals. And, and there's a lot of beauty in, in tradition and standards too. But uh, it, it became the identity of me being Catholic, me being uh, similar to what Eric said. I, I think I, was, I did fairly well in school and some sports. So it was a self-identity. I... I I learned how to be self-sufficient, thought I could do it on my own, or I thought that what I was learning in Catholic school and whatnot was going to basically set me up. But the, the problem in that is um, a couple-fold. You know, we, I, I went to church three times a week because I was in Catholic school, and then on, on Sunday, uh, we heard the Word. But during school, we pulled the Bibles out maybe once a month. Now, this maybe sounds weird because we had religion classes. So you had your own textbooks and stuff, but it really wasn't understanding the Word. So the word, the Bible was like, foreign document to me, right? A big book. Not, I knew the biggest stories, David and Goliath, all those sort of things, right? But I, I couldn't parse the Word of God. Um, but, but I thought I had enough confidence in it. as long as I followed, followed the, the, the rules and the steps. So my belief system was partially right and partially wrong, right? God loves me. Jesus loves me. Absolutely. Believe that. Jesus died on the cross for, the, for my sins and he rose again on the third day. Absolutely. Believe that. Uh, do unto others or, or, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, as Jesus commands us. Absolutely. But when it came to two important things, um, what I thought about heaven and how I was getting there, or whether I was getting there, for me that was, as long as you, it's basically a tilting scale, as long as you do more good than bad, and if you you do something really bad, you go to confession, kind of get that worked out, do some extra prayers, that was the means to heaven. So it was self-sufficiency. As long as I tried to be a good person, I should generally hope that I'll I'll make it to heaven. and there was really no stress of any kind of personal relationship with Jesus. Wasn't, no one said you couldn't have a relationship with Jesus, but that wasn't the focus. It was follow the standards, go through the, the sacraments, you know, make sure you're at church every Sunday. And so, so the problem with that is the first part about being, doing more good than bad is the means of getting to heaven. It's just not biblical. That, that's not, it, it'd be like me going to the store and paying for food with walnuts. Like, that's not how the system worked. God would say, sorry, I wrote it down. Here are the, here's how. And it's easy. You have to do nothing. I did it. I gave my son, right? Trust in him. Confess your sins. Trust in him. It's a free gift. It's grace. Grace is unmerited favor. I mean, you, you can't, you literally can't do anything. If you do anything, you're negating the work that Jesus did, right? So to me, again, that was foreign. I was, I was relying on myself. But for, fortunately, uh, in the last year, a little over a year in high school, uh, some uh, Christian people that uh, it came from a small school, so you knew everybody, but didn't know everyone super well. Uh, they started inviting me to one of their youth praise and worship nights. And it was a whole bunch of uh, mainly Baptist churches. So my, my mom had warned me about the Baptist growing up Catholic. <laughs> but she let me go. And, you know, it was a whole bunch of churches would send their kids to this one church where they did praise and worship, and there was skits, and there was a message. And that was awesome. And it was still a little bit of a problem for me because to me it was like, this is just icing, right? I know already, I already know how to get to heaven and doing more good, but this is great. I can worship God. I hadn't experienced worshiping God, praying openly uh, without memorized prayers. Um, and I guess it happened every week and I just didn't hear it. But one night in January of my senior year, uh, the, like Eric said, an altar call was made, right? And they said, bow your head, close your eyes. If you were to die right now, are you sure that you'd go to heaven? And I'm kind of nodding my head. Shrugging my shoulders, and it's almost like he was looking right at me. It must have been, and my eyes were closed. But he so "Not? are you kind of sure? Not maybe, but are you 100% sure you're going to heaven? Do you know how, how that works? And if you're, not, if you're not 100% sure, raise your hand. And my honest thought, head, head down, close eyes, raise my hand. I'm sure everyone else is raising their hand. We can't possibly all know. <laughs> so raise your hand. That's what we're supposed to do. He's like, you know, if you have your hand raised... And you want to have a relationship with Christ. You want to understand why we can't do it on our own. And that struck me in the heart. Please come forward. Now, again, introvert, scared to death to walk forward. I don't know how the next period happened. Maybe someone carried me. I floated. Don't know. All of a sudden, I know I'm up front, surrounded by a bunch of people praying for us. And this man's laying out the gospel and something I'll later know, the Roman road to salvation. He's, he's he's, He's laying it out. He's laying out why I can't do it on my own. But it's okay because God provided a way. And he said, do you want to, and there were several of us, and he said, do you, do you want to pray and receive Jesus in your heart? Do you want a personal relationship with him and accept that, confessing your sins, accepting that gift, that free gift? And we said yes, and he prayed with us. And I, I remember, I mean, he was, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 talks about if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has passed, the old, new has come. Um, he also read from Revelation, talking about how our, our names are written in the book of life, and they won't be blotted out. And Christ will stand before the Father and his angels and testify our names, right? And I still remember I'm talking about that. And Revelation was a scary book. Still can be. But especially then, I'm like, oh, man. It can't be blotted out. I mean, it, this is a gift. This is, I, it's no longer relying on me. And that, that, that changed things. So um, the rest is literally history. I mean, I, God started putting people in my path there. And in high school, as I finished high school, in college, met my wife in college, um, and... It, it, it changed the identity from being a self-sufficient identity to one that is completely dependent on Christ, completely dependent on him, um, and, uh, again, the grace being the unmerited favor. I, I, if I try to do anything to earn it, I'm just getting in the way of something he already paved the road for. So, again, like Eric, I'm honored to uh, serve this community along, alongside all of you guys, and thank you for the opportunity.
0: Awesome. Thanks, George. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Boy, incredible men. What stories, huh? That's amazing. That is amazing. One from an atheist family and belief, and then a religious family and belief, and they come to meet together, brothers, as a, in a relationship that only Jesus can form, in a relationship that only Jesus can bring together. It's a beautiful thing. So in Acts 7, you see in Acts 6, you see that they called these men And it was among them, they had good reputation, they were full of the spirit and wisdom. And then uh, you see one of them sort of stand out amongst uh, the rest, among the rest, and his name is Stephen. And uh, today I wanna just take just the next couple minutes and talk about Stephen, and then next week I'll talk about another one that's mentioned, Philip. And uh, Stephen, uh, as I mentioned before, they came up. They were they experienced some conflict, and it got to a point where it sort of spiraled out of control. And Stephen was dragged to this council called the Sanhedrin Council, this religious council. And they thought that Stephen was speaking out against Moses and the law. He just he wasn't. He was just showing them throughout their their history of Israel how. Um, Moses and Joshua and, and, and Joseph and David, they all were just pointing to what he said, what he described as the righteous one. They're all pointing to Jesus, that Jesus came not to you know, destroy the law and the commandments, but Jesus came to fulfill the law and fulfill the commandments. He, Jesus is the culmination. Jesus is the answer to everyone's question of, of there is a law god has regulations and i have broken them and i can't keep them what do i do that's really at the heart of that that there are there is a moral law god has set drawn the line in the sand and i can't keep them what do i do about that and jesus is the answer to that question isn't he he's the answer jesus said i paid it all. Like they mentioned, both of them mentioned, he, he took it all. It was. It's not a self-sufficient thing. It's a God-sufficient thing. It was Jesus took all of our sin and shame and brokenness. He took it all for us. So he did the work so that they didn't have to do the work and I didn't have to do the work and you don't have to do the work. Isn't that good news for us? That's called grace. And as a result of that, that's why Thousands of people in Jerusalem are going, I want that because I can't do it. I'm not sufficient enough. I can't work hard enough. I can't do good uh, enough to, in order for me to be in right standing with God. And so God says that you don't have to. My son already did for you. It is simply just receiving the gift of grace through faith and putting your life into his hands. And therefore, his spirit will come and dwell in you and you will stand before God, holy, righteous, and above reproach. Isn't that good news? everybody it's why it's called the gospel everybody you can clap for that that's okay you can clap because that's the gospel that's the good news of Jesus and Stephen just starts preaching man he starts preaching who Jesus is and the religion didn't want to hear it those who were self-sufficient didn't want anything to do with that message And Stephen is is preaching away and preaching away and preaching away. And it spirals out of control to the point where they take Stephen and they drag Stephen out of of the meeting and out of even the city. And they're ready to stone him to death. And what I wanna show you is is when we talk about, I wanna just bring this idea of courageous community together with this, deacon who was bold, and these deacon men who are bold and courageous for you, by the way, they serve you all the time. They serve you nonstop. They serve you not out of their own will or their own accolades, or they want a pat on the back. They serve you because they're serving Jesus, and that's what Stephen did. And when you do that, there's a couple things that I want you to see, what happened to Stephen and what could happen to you as well as a servant of Jesus. It says, I wanna pick it up in Acts chapter number seven and verse number 55, verse 55. But being full of the Holy Spirit, this is Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God. And I just wanna stop there. I just wanna pause there for a second that that Stephen had an opportunity unlike most, have And that Stephen had an opportunity in the time where he was getting dragged out into the city and people were starting to choose which stones to throw at his head. His gaze was in heaven. His gaze was not at the rocks getting ready to be thrown at his head. His gaze was in heaven and he saw the glory of God. He had spiritual eyes to see God still on the throne in all of his glory. I just want you to remember that when you're going through it, when you're going through a tough situation, that God is still on the throne in heaven. Do you realize that? He has not moved an inch off the throne of heaven. When you're, and when it's tempting for us to look at the stones that are being thrown at us, when it's tempting to look at the circumstances surrounding us, our gaze, those that have spiritual eyes like Stephen had, his gaze were in heaven and he saw God on the throne in all of his glory. And I hope that you take hope in that I hope that you take put refuge make your life a refuge in that hope of knowing that God is still in control no matter what the situation no matter what the circumstances and he saw God in all of his glory still on the throne and what we're going to talk about next week is what happened as a result of that but I want to point out another element of this verse if you can go back to 55 and in, into heaven and he saw not only God and in, in, in the glory of God, but he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, I hope this fires you up like it fired me up this week. Let me tell you why. Let me, I'm gonna share with you three verses, but I could share with you a dozen. And let me show you. Colossians chapter three and verse number one, look what it says. Remember, Jesus is standing at the right hand of God, but look what Colossians Three one says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, keep looking up, gazing at, at, in, in, into eternity above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Ephesians 1 says it this way. Again, this is just verse two out of a dozen. And what is the surpassing greatness of, of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the workings of the strength of his might which he has brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Let me give you one more in Hebrews. This is a famous verse for you to memorize. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's 10 more verses that talk about Jesus sitting, sitting at the the right hand of God. But when Stephen, in all of his boldness, in all of his courage, in all of his grace that he's extending to the people that are ready to hurl stones at his head, he gazes into the heavens and he sees Jesus not sitting. He sees Jesus standing standing. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, when I get excited about something and if I start in the, sit, the seated position and I see something that I like, you know what I do? I stand up. I get up, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, maybe you're at, maybe it's a sporting event for you, right? You're at a sporting event, there's a big throw, There's got, there's, a, there's, there's a great catch, and then all of a sudden, you're up out of your seats going, yeah, 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 maybe you're at a wedding, and you're, and you're at a wedding, and there's dancing going on, and your song comes on, right? You know what I'm talking about, ladies. Your song comes on. You hop out of that seat. I know I'm there with you at that wedding. You Grab a hold of your husband and he says, uh uh-uh, uh, and you're like, I don't care. I'm going out on the dance floor dancing. You know what I'm talking about. It's something that inspires us to get up. I was this is just the most lamest example in the world, but I'll just share with you because it happened. I was playing Mario Kart with my kids. And we, there's four of us, we play the old Wii, you know, and there's four of us playing Mario Kart, and we're all sitting on the couch at the start of the race, but by lap number three, we're up, all four of us standing in front of the TV. (laughs) You say, who wins? My four-year-old wins. He wins every time. So... But I just want you to know his boldness encouraged, here's what it did, it moved Jesus to stand. Don't you like, don't you love that? Jesus is, 12 verses, Jesus is sitting. He's sitting, he's sitting, and then he's going, yeah, Stephen, yeah, Stephen, that's right, that's right. It is about grace. That's right, it is about my love. That's right, it is about my forgiveness. And Jesus is starting his trial, and then all of a sudden, Jesus is up going, yeah, Stephen, go, man, go, man, go, man. You know what Jesus does when you and I show a little bit of courage and a little bit of boldness? He's up on his feet going, come on, come on, let's go. Keep going, keep doing it, keep honoring me, keep living for me, keep loving in the way you're supposed to love, keep showing grace, keep showing favor, keep sticking it in there. I know it's getting hard, I know the rocks are getting ready to come at your head, but man, hold on, and Jesus is standing up for you. I kind of wonder if that was going to stand in ovation. I don't think, amen. He deserves it. He's, because right now he's going, yes, yes, yes. I mean, I mean, you can see in heaven that Jesus is sitting, but then when something amazing is happening, Jesus is up on his feet going, let's go, keep going. And when they share their testimony, Jesus is going, yes, I love taking the heart of a man who thought he was self-sufficient and breaking that heart to realize that his sufficiency is only found in me. And they humbled themselves and became obedient to the calling of God in their life. And Jesus was up off the right hand of God going, yes, yes, yes. Don't you love that? He's standing when we're courageous. When we're bold, he's up on his feet cheering you on. I hope, church, I hope you have the eyes to see that. When you feel discouraged, yet you're still plugging away, I hope that you gaze up into heaven and you see Jesus standing up for you because he is when you feel beaten down and you feel discouraged, when you feel stressed and you're still plugging away, being honorable and faithful to the plan and the calling that God has in your life, I hope that you gaze into heaven and you see that the father hasn't moved an inch from the throne and you see the son standing in all of his glory going, go man, you go girl. I don't know if he says it or not, but I hope he does. I hope that he, I believe that he is. I believe he's standing going, come on, come on, come on. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Don't quit. And here's the other reason why you and I should be courageous. And here's the other reason why you and I should consider staying faithful to the plan of God. Look at at the next few verses. Uh, 56 but they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed him with one impulse. So now they're like ticked, they're mad, they're furious. And he, he says this in the next verse. When they had sat, when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him and the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive My spirit, Stephen is praying, Lord, receive my spirit as rocks are coming at him. Next verse. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine as you're at the end of your life, dying this excruciating death and to the very people that are hurling the rocks at his head, he prays just like Jesus prayed when Jesus was up on the cross, don't hold this sin against them. And in his boldness and in his courage and out of his unconditional love, for people. You know what happened? It made an impression on Saul. And I, if you don't know who Saul is, Saul later changed his name to Paul, otherwise known as the Apostle Paul. One of the greatest Christians this world has ever known. But it was Stephen's courage, it was Stephen's boldness, and it was Stephen's unconditional love that made an impression on Saul. You say, how do you know that? Because Paul mentions it in Acts 22. He remembers the time that the innocent, he called it the innocent blood of Stephen was shed while he was holding the garments of those who were throwing rocks at him. It made an impression on him to the point that he was prime and ready for when he did encounter Jesus, he was like, I'm in. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'm in, because this is a movement that can't be stopped. The church is growing. The church is on the move. The church is changing lives. And Paul's going, I'm no longer gonna fight against that. I'm no longer gonna go against the grain. I'm now going with the wave. And I hope you're here today and you wanna go with the wave because the wave is a lot of fun that you can be a part of every single one of us and you will never know what impression you'll make on somebody that will continue on to make an impact in the life of others maybe a handful of people in this room know the name Mordecai Ham Mordecai Ham was an evangelist Mordecai Ham had a calling of God when he was nine years old nine years old But Mordecai Ham grew up in a very, very poor family. And to help support his family, he decided to ignore the calling of God on his life and to pursue other areas of business so that he can help provide for his family. Around the age of 16, 17, his grandfather passed away. And in that time when his grandfather passed away, he had a renewed calling in his life that he wasn't gonna (coughs) refuse again. And he decided that he was gonna surrender his life to ministry. And as he, when he surrendered his life to ministry, he would hold these tent revival meetings where thousands of people would come. At one point, he held a tent revival meeting in Charlotte, North Carolina. There was thousands of people that, were sh- that showed up there that day, and there was two teenage boys that showed up that day as well because they heard about a guy that was sort of this fiery preacher, but that lives were being changed, and people were following Jesus, and it, and it, and it changed them forever. But these two teenage boys didn't want to be in the crowd, and so they snuck themselves into where the choir sat so that they could be behind Mordecai Ham. And they're listening to Mordecai Ham preach and he's sharing Jesus and these two teenage boys uh, named Grady and Bill they surrendered their life to Jesus on that day sitting in the choir that you would think that the people in the choir were the ones that already knew Jesus but there's Bill and Grady sitting in the choir with tears running down their face and when when Billy or excuse me when Mordecai gave an altar call Bill and Grady walked out of the choir and came forward and gave their life to Jesus Grady I don't know what Grady went on to do but the other guy Bill his name is Billy Graham you ever heard of Billy Graham, most of us in this room have no idea who Mordecai Ham is, but Mordecai Ham was faithful to his calling of God, was courageous and bold and invited thousands of people to come so that he can share Jesus with them, which is, by the way, not an easy task. You never know what Billy Graham will be in the crowd that day. Time and time again, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show up. And if I don't make it for some reason, somebody else is going to show up in this spot and going to share the word of God. Why? Because someone like a Billy Graham might walk in here. Someone like a Saul from Tarsus might walk in here and give their life to Jesus and they make an impact for the kingdom of God forever. But that has to happen when there's a little bit of courage and a little bit of boldness and a whole lot of unconditional love. That's when that happens. Boy, it's Jesus standing. Don't you want to see Jesus standing? Every day of my life, I want to wake up and I want to see Jesus standing going, come on, Chris, come on, keep it going. You think this is easy every single day? Come on, man. Are you kidding me? You told her, you think you're tough? You carry around your Bible wherever you go. That's tough. People don't, we live in a post-Christian culture and Christianity is just in the past. There's people that have all different beliefs and faiths, man. Carrying this around is not a popular thing, but I'm gonna do it because I'm called to do it and because I just wanna gaze into heaven. I wanna see Jesus standing up going, let's go. And there might be somebody like a Saul or there might be somebody like a Billy Graham in the crowd who needs to hear the gospel so that God can use them in a powerful way. I hope you want that because that isn't just for me. That's for all of us in this room. Do you know that? That is for every single person in this room. And it wasn't an apostle that did this, it wasn't a a pastor that did this, it was a deacon. It was a deacon. So I'm honored to be a part of ordaining a couple deacons today because you know what's going to happen when we do? Jesus is upstanding. And there may be somebody in here going, well, I believe this. I don't know why, but something's happening in my life, in my heart today. And I'm always open to that. I'm always excited about that. So guys, why don't you come on up? We, we also have a leadership team that's a part of what they're a part of. If you're on this leadership team, I'm gonna ask you to come forward as well. If you're on our ministry leadership team. I believe we have some people that are also a part of our leadership team on the phone. Hi Miss Peggy. Hi hi Mr. Jack and Peggy. George, we also have George Wilson as well. Hi George. Hi Shirley. You're, you haven't I'm on mute. There you go. <laughs> they were muted. <laughs> I'm gonna ask the wives, Kim. Jasmine, once you guys, ladies, come on up. And what we see in Scripture in Acts six, um, Eric and George, come on out. Let's get some room here. Come on, in. we got we got this open floor here. I kind of like wandering around. Are you like? Hey? Yeah. Was this all right? Is this? Can I do this? Linda? Okay. Rest of the leadership, come on around them, please. Get with your uh, spouses, Kim, Eric, and no, Jasmine and Eric, Kim and Jordan, <laughs> that's what I meant to say. That's not, what I, that's not what I meant to say. Come on around them, please. And so what we do, everybody, if you can, just lay a hand on them, put the hands on them. That's what, they, that's what we see in scripture. Come on. Put your hands on them. Put a hand on I'm going to pray uh, for, um, for George, and then Juan's going to pray for Eric, and then um, we're going to present you guys with a couple gifts, okay? All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for George, Kim, kids, their dedication, their faithfulness, their courage, their boldness, their unconditional love that they demonstrate to the people here at... Um, at our local church here in Wald Lake. God, their um, service is just admirable and uh, sacrificial. I know that they are, gets you standing when you watch somebody like George and Eric just serve you with all of their heart. God, they serve all of these people here, Lord, and many, many of them have no idea, no idea. God, we're just so um, thankful to have these wonderful men along with these other men, women that are standing up here, around here, as they are dedicated and committed to, to your church and seeing your church reach those who are far from you to draw closer to you. They're just used as a tool, they're just used as a way, as a method in a relationship Or however that may be, Lord, just in a way that you can be glorified and edified through Him. Thank you for George and Kim. And again, Lord, just bless them, encourage them, protect them, keep them safe. I thank you for the office that they hold as a deacon found in your your word. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that they continue to stay faithful and committed to you (laughs) all the way, all the way through it. In Jesus' name.
3: in your word that you have called us to a point.
1: You've called us to take charge, Lord,
3: of, of this church of the body, Lord, that you've called us to be used by you, and I'm just so thankful for the example of Eric and Jeff. but at the same time intentional to your mission, um, which is to change lives, which is to transform, to encourage, to disciple, um, Lord, to minister to. Um, I pray uh, our protection over them, Lord, and I pray for health. I pray again, Pastor Chris, said a blessing, Lord, that you would uh, cover them in every area, Lord, as they uh, commit to or continue to commit to, as they've already been committed to this ministry. I just ask, Lord, that you would uh, uh, continue to do your great work and that it may be seen, Lord, and that we may all, together as a body, uh, brothers and sisters, glorify you for the work that you've done through them. So we thank you for this opportunity and we love you, Jesus, with everything. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: So, Eric, and Jasmine, <clears throat> George, and Kim, we just have a gift for you uh, that we would just like to share. Uh, with you, it's um, well, you'll open it up later. But it's a Bible. It's, yeah, I have a good idea what that is, and uh, already. Um, but it's, we just wanted you guys to have just from us as a church uh, this this Bible presented to you. And and, and Juan, um, you know, it's awesome Bible. Juan did all the work for that. And uh, and there's a little just a little plaque on there that says your name as a deacon. So um, so I'm just so honored to be able to serve alongside of uh, you guys. And, uh, and, and grateful that God uh, is gonna continue to use you, you guys in an, in an amazing way. But uh, it only happens when we're faithful to this. It's only when it happens when we're faithful, continually be faithful to this. And so um, thank you guys. God bless you. God bless you. So, all right, Yeah. Awesome. Well, th- good to have you here today. Thank you for sharing in that uh, with us. And uh, uh, I hope you're encouraged today. I hope it gave, gave you courage uh, to continue to be bold. And uh, so next week, we're gonna look at Philip. Uh, Philip is uh, another deacon, deacon in the Bible. Let's pray. God, thanks for the time. Thanks for the day. Thanks for each one here. Pray you bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.
4: knowing there's a reason All my dreams come alive Life is for living with you I've made my decision You You lift me up, fill my eyes with with wonder Forever Forever young in your love. love This freedom's untainted with you you